Good morning, Crestview family. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church. Thank you for choosing to come worship with us today. Uh, I am excited to be here. I'm excited to see all faces. I see new faces again this week. If you are a guest or visitor with us for the very first time, we would love to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, if you would drop, there's some visitor cards in the pews in front of you. If you could fill one of those out, drop it in the offering plate just so we could get to know you a little better. That would be awesome. Quite a few things going on this week. Starting tonight at 630, uh, down in the building on the big projector, the Super Bowl is going to be playing. Um, bring some food, drinks, bring whatever you want to bring. Or if you can't bring anything, don't bring anything at all and come hang out with us and watch the Super Bowl. And we usually don't make it to the whole show because a lot of the, everybody's ready to get home. And uh, I, don't, I don't even know what time the thing goes off. I think Cody Rhodes is winning the Super Bowl tonight. Is that right? No, he said Cody Rhodes wasn't winning the Super Bowl tonight. So, uh, all right, so I'm disappointed. Um, but anyway, so come out to the Super Bowl tonight, Super Bowl party tonight. Uh, be a good time to fellowship together. Uh, a few things going on this week. Uh, other than that, uh, there's going to be a, a Baptist men's work night on uh, Thursday night here at the church. Um, and the Baptist men, uh, Whitey wants everybody to meet down front right after the service is over just for a few minutes. Um, there's some things in the bulletin about camp, about youth and children's camp. And if you want to go to youth or children's camp, come and talk to me. I need to know this week. I've got a couple kids signed up. I'm getting a couple youth signed up for sure. So uh, let me know this week so I can get your name down and get our spots, um, get our, our spots um, secured. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, so let me know this week. You can text me. You can call me, and uh, we'll take care. And we'll take care of the formalities later. I just need to know this week. Um, this Thursday, or not this Thursday, Thursday, February the twenty-second, the WMU is going to meet at Pat Hammett's house at six o'clock for a WMU meeting. I gave Joy gave me that this morning. Um, and uh, it is not in the bulletin. It is something that um, uh, I, I was, uh, I've been thinking about, and uh, I wanted to do it, and I am the king of last minute, as Artie knows. And uh, so the last Sunday in February, which is February the 25th, we are going to have a Leap Week chili cook-off. It is in honor of it being an extra day in February. We're going to have a chili cook-off that night. Uh, make your favorite chili. Uh, a donation at the door to come in and eat and try the chilies. And with each donation, you get a ticket to vote on your favorite chili. And there will be some sort of prize for the winner. So um, let me know if, you, if I will... Um, Send, I will send some messages out to the people, and I'm going to be sure I get plenty of chili secured. I'm going to start that today or tomorrow, sending them out, and I'm going to get some chili secured for that. So I think that'll be a fun time. Uh, I don't think I have any more announcements. Did I miss anything? 
I get up here and forget lots of times. If not, if there's no more announcements, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Artie in prayer. And I just invite you to focus our hearts on the Lord this morning. And let's worship him together. Good morning. morning. Guys, come on. You can do better than that. It's rainy. It's dreary. But we're in church. And we're Baptists. And Baptists, though they're not allowed to raise their hands above their, their shoulders, we have been known to get loud every once in a while. So let's try that again. Good morning. Much better, much better. It is good to see everybody here this morning. And like I said, we are in church this morning. We still live in a country where we're able to do this freely. And it's exciting to be here. And we're thankful that you are here with us. If you would please join me in prayer this morning as we begin our time of worship. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you. Dear Lord, there are so many other things that our world throws at us that we could be doing this morning. But we are here not because of anything that we've done, but because of everything that you've done. Because you alone, Lord, are worthy of worship and praise. You alone are worthy of being lifted up. You alone are worthy of our time. And dear Lord, as we go throughout this time today, please take all the cares of this world, take all the thoughts of the preparations that we have to do this afternoon, what we're going to eat, where we're going to eat, what we're going to make for the Super Bowl parties, or even who's going to win the Super Bowl. Take all of that away from us for this short hour so that we may fully concentrate on you. Dear Lord, I know that there's people here that are are concerned about finances, that are concerned about sickness, that are concerned about surgeries coming up, that are concerned about treatments. There are people that are concerned because they're waiting for test results. But dear Lord, you already have all of that in your hands. You know our innermost thoughts. You know our fears. You know our wants, our desires, our needs. Dear Lord, you promise that if we cast our cares upon you, that you will take care of those. And dear Lord, I pray that we're able to do that this hour. Pray that your spirit moves among your people today. That as we sing, we sing as loud as we possibly can. Because we're singing to your glory. As Chad speaks to the children, speak through him. Dear Lord, as I bring the message today, speak through me. And dear Lord, allow all of us to hear and do. And remind us, dear Lord, that we that have accepted you as our personal Savior, that we are your disciples. And as we finish today, dear Lord, may we take you with us as we leave this place. That we will show the world around us that we are disciples of the living God. 
And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our living Savior, we pray. Amen. The Bible tells us that our Lord and Savior, Jesus, will be called the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, and that he is the fairest of 10,000. So as we continue to worship, let us stand as we sing the lily of the valley, page 189. by giving our gifts, tithes, and offerings. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for our many blessings, but most of all, thank you for being our Lord and our Savior. We come now to give you back a small portion you have blessed us with, so bless this gift and the giver.
for it is your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Again, let us stand and sing our hymn of praise, Savior, like a shepherd lead us. Page 61. guys let's slide it over this way i'm done sitting on the floor i'm about too old for that all right got a few more coming up well i got a question who's gonna watch the super bowl today all right let's see all right i want to talk i want to know more about your opinions on who's gonna win but when we get out to children's church well but i want to know is all right, there's two teams in the Super Bowl. There's the 49ers and the Chiefs. All right, what do you think a fan of either one of these football teams would look like? Like, it's not going to be hard. If you go around today, it's not going to be really hard to figure out who's pulling for who. What do you think a fan of one of the teams might look like? What do you think they'd be wearing? A jersey, maybe, right? Hats, maybe a Taylor Swift shirt. I don't know. Uh, see there? Here I got everybody going. Well, so it's not hard when you go to a football game to figure out who's pulling for who. And that's the same with the sporting events all over the world. Isabel went to is me and Isabel went to wrestling this this week, and it and it was not hard to figure out whose favorite wrestler was who because you could look at what they were wearing, you could look at how they were dressed, and you could figure it out. Well, today what we're going to talk about is what does a fan of the Lord look like? What does somebody who follows God and has given their life over to God and accepted Jesus Christ? We're going to talk about what they might look like. There's several different verses in the Bible that talk about characteristics and traits of what a Christian might look like. I want to read to you 
1 Corinthians 13, and this is verses 4 through 7. And this is talking about loving others, because what does God command us to do? He commands us to love other people. Why, does, why do you think God tells us to love other people? Yeah, maybe so. But God tells us to love other people because He loved us first. He loved us so much that He sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross and, re and rise again on the third day for our sins. That love is bigger than any love that we could ever show to anybody. But God tells us to love others. And I'm going to read you this Bible verse. And some of the words you may not understand, but we're going to talk more about them in children's church. So listen to this, starting with verse 4. It says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy and it does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now there were some pretty big words in there, right? And we're going to talk about what some of those words might mean in a little bit. But what I want to encourage you to do is one way that other people can look at you and know that you're on God's team and that, you're pulled, that you are a follower of Jesus is to love people. Because Jesus loved, loved us. Treat people kind even when they're not kind to you. Love people even when it's hard. So, we're going to pray, and we're going to talk more about that when we go to children's church. So, okay, let's bow our heads and go to the Lord, and we'll sit right here. God, thank you so much for this day. Lord, thank you for the love that you've given us. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross for our sins and to rise again on the third day. Lord, because you loved us, help us to love others. Help us to treat others the way you would have us treat others, to care for others, and to be there when others need us. Lord, um, we just love you so much, and we are just so thankful for who you are. All this I ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We've all had one of those days. Maybe it's been a week. Maybe it was a whole year for you. But we've all been in that place where we are just down and out, disgusted, ready to throw the towel in. That might even be this morning. And if it is, we are going to sing a song of hope. The name of the song is Days of Elijah. It has become one of the most popular contemporary hymns. And we have fun singing it. It's a fun song. But I want us to think of the message in this song. The message is God is in control and that there is hope. We've all had those times when we feel alone and frustrated, just like Elijah did. But God reminded Elijah to stand up and to speak up for him. God also reminds us to be like his servant Moses, that we are to be holy and just in everything that we think, do, and say.
sometimes we don't try to encourage other people or we don't care whether we are encouraging other people. But our attitude should be that like Moses. And like Ezekiel, you know the story in the Bible where God showed him the dry bones and they came back to life? Well, God reminds the church to come back to life for us to be in unity and work together for him. And then God calls us to be like David, singing hymns and praising and worship him and not to be embarrassed about it. Don't care what that person beside of you thinks if you do raise your hands above your shoulders, like I already mentioned. <laughs> and then the song reminds us that this is the day of harvest. We are called as the church and as Christians to spread the gospel to everyone. Even though we are living in times where crime is everywhere, war, starvation, uncertainty, health issues, no matter what, God is still in control. And that we are to be filled as integrity as Christians because we are his. And people are watching us. We are representing our Savior Jesus. So yes, God is in control. And then it reminds us in the book of Revelation that on that glorious day, the trumpet will sound and Jesus will come riding on a white horse through the clouds. And he's going to be shining like the sun and he's going to take us home to heaven to live with him. So Christians, we have reason to rejoice no matter what you're going through, the pain, the suffering, God is in control. We have a very small choir this morning, so praise and worship the Lord with us as we sing Days of Elijah. Days of your servant David. 
Think about those words. There's no God like Jehovah. One thing that we've been seeing in our study on Wednesday nights in Daniel, we're at the point where Nebuchadnezzar has started to see that there's no God like Jehovah. And in chapter 4, his personal testimony, he gets to know Jehovah in a personal way. And he goes from being Daniel's God to the Most High God. 
And it's exciting to see that. But we're going to continue the series on the seven letters to His church. We've already covered the church in Ephesus, the church in Smyrna. Last week was the church in Pergamum, and this week we're in the fourth church, the church of Theratyra. So if you will turn to Revelation chapter 2, this is one of the longer letters to the church in chapter 2. It's verses 18 through 29. And if you will turn there, if you don't have it, don't have your Bible, it's in the, in the bulletin as well as it's going to be on the screen. And if you will stand as I read what Jesus has to say to the church in Theratyra. Starting in verse 18, it says, And to the angel of the church in Theratyra write, The Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and His feet are like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will cast her upon a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of, of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence and all the churches will know that I am He who searches the minds and hearts and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Theratyra, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. And he who overcomes, he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, thank You for what we see John recording here to, his, to Your church in Theratyra. Dear Lord, help us to understand what it is that You're saying here and how it applies not only to this church, but also to our church here today. Because, dear Lord, we are still Your church. Speak through me today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ our Savior. We pray. Amen. As always, Jesus describes Himself. The start of this letter is just like all the rest of them. He describes an attribute of Himself to His church. And it's always an attribute that is pertinent 
to that particular church. Look at verse 18. And to the angel of the church of Theatira write, the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and feet like burnished bronze says this. Now the King James Version says of fine brass. Okay? So the first thing that we want to look at here is he calls himself the Son of God. Exclamation point. The Son of God. And the reason he did this is that he wanted to emphasize his deity. Emphasize his deity. Look at Matthew 3.17. This is when Jesus was being baptized. And as John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River, and he brings him up out of the water, it says, and behold... A voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Throughout Scripture, one of the things, we, the, the choir sang the days of Elijah and they sang, there's no God like Jehovah. Besides who Jehovah is, Yahweh, I am. I am the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But one of the things that makes him unlike any other God is the fact that he is a triune God. He is one God made up of three people, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And if you read Scripture from Genesis through Revelation, you will see that fact throughout Scripture. That there is a Jehovah is a triune God. And here, Jesus calls himself the Son of God. See, in Jewish thought, to be the Son of anything meant that you had the nature of that thing that you were Son of, that you shared the nature. And these verses are not in the notes, but look at this Isaiah 57 3. But come here, you sons of a sorceress, offspring of an adulterer and a prostitute. What do you think the nature of this particular people that God is talking to through the prophet Isaiah, what was their nature? The same as a sorceress, a trickster, evil. And look at Mark 3.17. And James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to them he gave the name Boanerus, which means sons of thunder. Now you think about that. Sons of thunder. If I were to come down here and I were to tell Timothy and Trey, you are sons of thunder. What do you think that would mean? And in many cases, they are sons of thunder. Okay? Because Zebedee, James, and John, they had the same nature as their father. And their father apparently was a hothead, he had a temper. 
And if you read in Scripture, and, and as you discover the, the James and John, that there was a lot of times that God had to, or Jesus had to calm them down some. Sons of thunder, they were always battling. You guys realize that thunder is not create that that thunder is not the sound that lightning makes, right? That thunder is what happens when a cold air mass and a warm air mass hit. The densities in that sound. Now, what happens is lightning as it moves through the air, the, the air, it creates that change in temperature. But it does but lightning doesn't make thunder. But thunder is when it battles against, and that's the sound, is when those air masses clash, it creates thunder. But these sons, James and John, they had the same nature as their father. And the Son of God has divine nature just like His Father. John 10, 29-30 my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, that's Jesus talking. I and the Father are one. The same nature as His Father. Then it says, who has eyes like a flame of fire who has eyes like a flame of fire. This emphasizes the idea that his eyes looked with penetrating judgment. Remember we said last week that he had the sharp two-edged sword that was able to pierce our very souls, our hearts. Here Jesus is describing Himself as having that penetrating glaze. You guys remember, now you younger guys may not remember this, but I remember sitting in church, and I, know, I didn't sit with my parents, but I would get this eerie feeling up and down my spine. And I could feel a hole being drilled in the back of my skull. And I would turn around and I would have my mom staring dead at me. Does anybody else remember that look, getting that from your mom? That's the look that says you need to be slapped. But you get that look from your mama and you knew you better straighten up. That is a God-given ability that Jesus gave moms. Because here, that's what it's saying. It's like your mom shoots that laser beam out of her eyes and hits you in the back of the head and you just go whoop. Here, it is describing Jesus' ability to pierce our very soul and see what no one else can see. Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 14. His head and His hair were white like white wool, like snow, and His eyes were like a 
flame of fire. The first chapter of Revelation is where John is describing what he saw when he saw Jesus for the first time. His eyes were like fire. Then it goes on and it says, His feet are like burnished bronze or fine brass in the King James Version. This emphasized His purity and His strength. Look at Revelation 1.15. His feet were like burnished bronze when it had been made to glow in a furnace, and His voice was like the sound of many waters. You see, bronze or brass was highly purified by fire. And In the ancient world, it was the strongest metal that they knew of. It's not the strongest metal now, but in the time of the writing of this, it was the strongest metal that they knew. Because it had been refined and put together and it describes the steadfastness and purity of Jesus. It's important that this church knew and that we understand these qualities, these characteristics of Jesus. And so what does, the, what does Jesus know about His church? Well, Jesus knows everything about His church. Look at verse 19. I know your deeds and your love, and your faith, and service, and perseverance, and that you, your deeds of late are greater than at first. Well, let's dig into that. I know your deeds. Thyatira was the least significant city among the seven cities Jesus has addresses. Yet, even though they were small, they were not hidden to Jesus. See, Theotira was not a poor city, but it wasn't the capital. It didn't have the great temples of all the different gods like we've talked about the other cities. But it was a city that was known for its trade federations, its trade groups. It's trade guilds. You see Lydia that we hear about in Paul's ministry. The seller of fine purple. She was from Theotira. Their trades, they crafted things to ship off to other places. They made things. You guys remember? Now I am a transplant. But I have talked to several older people when all the mills and the factories and everything else was was here in Cleveland County. And business was booming. That was what it was like at Theratyra. These people had skills. They used the skills. 
So it wasn't a big, significant city. But they were not hidden from Jesus. Jesus knew them. You know how, how important that is for us to understand. That Jesus knows us. Jesus knows. Your love, faith, service, and perseverance. They had four great essential qualities. And in many cases, they could be seen as a model church. They had these four great qualities that are essential to being a church of God. Love, faith, service, and perseverance. But notice what it says. It says, but your deeds of late are greater than at first. Your deeds of late are greater than at first. Not only did they have these qualities, but they had them in increasing measure. What does that mean? It means that they were growing in love, faith, service, and perseverance. This wasn't just something that they did when they first started but it was something that they continued to do and that they continued to grow in those qualities. All because of the blessing and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. But, what was it that Jesus had against them? Look at verses 20-21. through 21. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. First thing, you tolerate the woman Jezebel. We're not sure or positive that this was her literal name. But when you hear the name Jezebel, you have a picture pop up in your mind immediately. Don't you? We go back to Elijah and Queen Jezebel. She was a good queen. She loved everybody. She served God, right? Everybody's looking at me like, what in the world are you talking about? Jezebel was probably the most evil woman that is talked about in Scripture. She led the children of Israel away from serving God to serving Baal, the false god. She manipulated, she mistreated, she hunted down and killed God's prophets. And when Elijah on Mount Carmel prayed down the fire from heaven and slew all of the prophets of Baal and then prayed rain down from heaven, instead of being excited, what did Jezebel say she was going to do? Tell him, I'm going to kill him. And Elijah took off and hid because of one evil woman. 
That's Jezebel. So when we call somebody Jezebel, it's not a nice thing, is it? No. So we're not sure if this is just a woman that was like Jezebel or if her name was Jezebel. Very likely it could have been that she, this lady's name was Jezebel because it says that woman Jezebel. So most likely it's, it's, this lady's real name is Jezebel. Now the, Je, the Jezebel at the church of Theotira wasn't really a prophetess. Scripture says she only claimed to be, which means that she was a false prophet. Yet, it seems that a lot of the Christians, or some of the Christians there in the church at Theotira, they received her and listened to her and took her at face value and followed her. See, look at Matthew 24.11. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Guys, that's why it's so important. So important that we study and we know God's Word. And the thing is, is that Satan, he tricks us and he lays traps for us. You know, when I go hunting, you lay out corn, apples, things to attract the deer. It's legal. As apples... You lay those out to attract the deer and you sit and wait for them to come in there to get that. Well, you know that false prophets don't come in and just bring in a whole mess of garbage. They come in with a little bit of truth. Or they may come in with a whole lot of truth and just start introducing little bits of false teaching. And as they bring in those false teachings, they keep adding a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. So you go from a, from a whole lot of truth with a little bit of lie to a whole lot of lie with just a little bit of truth. But by that time, it's too late. That's what she was doing. She was a false prophet. She was not from God. She was sent by Satan to trip up and deceive God's people. See, it says that she teaches and leads my bond servants astray. Now, Jezebel's very serious and terrible sin was corrupting and leading away those that belonged to Jesus. When Jesus says, my bond servants, the people that he, are, he is describing have been bought with a price. They have been paid for. They are not slaves, but they are bound to serve their master. The one that paid the price for them. Paul calls himself a bond servant with Jesus. Church, I'm telling you this. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have been bought with a price. And you are bound to Jesus. We are His and He is ours. We are His bondservants. 
Now this is very serious. This charge that he has given against Jezebel. It's a very serious crime. Look at Mark, Mark chapter 9, verses 42, or verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes to stumble, it would be better for him if with a heavy millstone hung around his neck, he be cast into the sea. King James Version says, these little ones that what? Belong to me. We are His. And He takes it very seriously when someone causes one of His to stumble. One of His to, to walk away. He takes it very seriously. But you look what? She does not want to repent of her immorality. What does that mean? It means that Jesus' greatest accusation against her was not that she was leading His people away, but that she would not repent. He gave her opportunity he showed His great mercy and grace by giving her time to repent. But she rejected it and refused to repent. Think about that. What mercy does Jesus have that even when we are sinning, even when we're leading others astray, He still gives us opportunity to repent. That shows me that He sent His Holy Spirit to deal with Jezebel. And to those that, he, that followed her. And the Holy Spirit was convicting. The Holy Spirit was working, moving toward her repentance, and she rejected it. She refused. How many times do we do that same thing? that the Holy Spirit is moving, and we say, no. We're going to keep doing what I want and not do anything else. How many times do we do that? The Holy Spirit was, caught, was calling her to repentance, and she just refused. But here's what we have to understand. He starts off, his first words is, you tolerate. The sin of the church, they were not being held accountable for Jezebel's sin. What the church was being held accountable for is because they allowed her corruption and her deceit, they allowed it in the church. They tolerated it in the church. They stood by and allowed it to happen. They were being held accountable for allowing Jezebel's sin to take place within the church. So what does Jesus want His church to do? Well, what... I guess it says... Jesus, what Jesus starts off this, He changes it up a little bit. He's like, what He will do and what He wants His church to do. 
So first he tells us what he will do. Look at Revelation 2, 22-25. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Theratyra, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. I'm not going to get into all the different meanings of, of, of what he is saying here. But the thing is, is that he told the church first what Jesus was going to do. Jesus said, I, this is what I'm going to do. He's going to punish Jezebel and those who followed her for their unrepentant sin. Now you think about that. He even says, unless she repents. Again, unless she repents, this is what's going to happen. Think about what John writes in 1 John 1.9. If, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All He is asking her to do is, is repent, is to confess and turn away. I like what it says in, in Daniel chapter 4 when Daniel was pleading with Nebuchadnezzar. He, he says, break away. Break free of the grip of sin. Turn away from it. Break free from it. Don't let it control what you do anymore. Turn over to God. That's what he's saying here. This is going to happen unless you repent. And He does this. Jesus does this. He, he will do this for two reasons. The first is to call them to repentance with a stronger and more urgent voice. Every time Jesus and God allow something to happen in the lives of His people, it is always because they've refused to repent. And He's calling them. He's trying to get their attention. And He calls them to a great, with a greater, louder voice. The urgency of repentance. You guys realize that? That the punishments we get from God as His children are not necessarily to punish us, but it is literally to call us to repentance, to correct us, to call us back to Him. And the second reason is this. So His churches will know that He is the one that searches the minds and hearts. Remember those fiery eyes that get deep into our very souls. Jesus is the one that knows the depths of our thoughts. That knows the depths of our, our desires. Knows the depths of our emotion. He knows everything there is to know about us. So what did Jesus tell His church to do? He just shared what He was going to do. Very simply, hold fast. Hold fast. 
The faithful, uncompromising Christians must not stop doing what is good. They must not become distracted or discouraged from what Jesus wants them to be and to do. When we start paying attention to everything around us, the storms, everything, all the distractions that Satan throws at us, and we become distracted by that and lose focus, it is very easy for us to, be, to go off course. But he's told, telling them to hold fast. Keep doing what you're doing. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers, against the forces, the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness and the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having every, done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When you have done everything to stand firm, stand firm then. Hold fast. How long? How long do we have to hold fast? Until He comes. He doesn't say, do this until you're relieved from somebody else. Or do this until you're tired. Or do this until something better comes along. Does He say that? He says, hold fast until I come. We are to keep pushing. We are to keep serving. We are to keep honoring. We are to keep preaching. We are to keep teaching. We are to keep fighting until He comes. We are to hang in there and stand strong for Jesus until He comes. It is only then that the battle will be over. Now the final exhortation in verses 26-29. through He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the ends, so him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with an iron rod, a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces as I also have received authority from my Father. And I, have, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, just in all the other letters, this is not only for this particular church, but for everyone that follows Jesus. Us today. He who overcomes and keeps my deeds until the end. He says, if you do this, this is what I will do. This will be your reward. That He will give authority over the nations. Psalm 47.7 says this, 
For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful song. Jesus will give us a share of His own kingdom. You think about that. Now think about this. Paul says that we are joint heirs with Jesus. And if Jesus is the ruler of all nations, think about the, 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 the proclamation that the, the angels made to the shepherds that He will rule the earth. That He will rule the nations. As joint heirs, that's what it's talking about. That we will receive a portion of His inheritance. A portion of His kingdom that Jesus is promising us that we will rule the nations alongside of Him. And then it says, rule them with an iron rod. Look at Psalm 2, verses 7-9. through I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with an iron, a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Clay, the work of a potter. But here's something interesting. That word, that Hebrew word, rule, literally means to shepherd. Think about what David writes in in Psalm 23. Thy rod and thy staff do what? Comfort me. We will rule with a rod of iron. Guiding, directing, correcting those that follow. And then finally, the morning star. Look at Revelation 22.16. I, Jesus, have sent My angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. You guys see what Jesus calls Himself there? The bright morning star. Here Jesus offers a reward greater than the kingdom, greater than the share of His inheritance. He offered the greatest reward possible. Himself. Now let that sink in for a second. His disciples that hold fast to the end until He comes, that never give in, never compromise, never give up. What is our reward? Him. Him. Our Savior. I can't help but think people that we've lost, that have gone on, 
that we know beyond a shadow of doubt that they, ha they have accepted Christ as their Savior. J.C. Bruce. Marty. Miss B. Don. All of these people. And I know I didn't name all of them. We've got a whole table. Every homecoming, we've got a whole table of names of people that were part of our fellowship, part of our family, that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ that are no longer here. And every single one of them that held fast. At the moment they closed their eyes here on this earth in death, they opened their eyes to receive their reward. And who was standing there with open arms waiting for them? Jesus Himself. We talk about our salvation being made complete. How much more complete can it get than being in the arms of Jesus Himself? Just think about that. Church, the last few churches that we've talked about, the, what Jesus had against them was that they allowed the influence of the world to come into the church. They allowed the influence of Satan to come into the church. And please understand me. I'm not talking about being legalistic. I am not talking about that. But I am talking about knowing God's Word. About teaching God's Word about standing firm and recognizing what is righteous and holy and of God and rejecting anything that's not. You know what my dad, my dad as I was growing up was a banker. And he told me one day about how they taught tellers in the bank to recognize counterfeit bills. They didn't teach them to recognize counterfeit bills by giving them counterfeit bills. How they taught them to recognize the counterfeit bills was by constantly handling the real thing. And then when they would slip in a counterfeit bill on them and they immediately knew because it didn't feel the same. It didn't look the same they immediately recognized it as being fake. Now, you've got the pen that you write across it. You hold it up and see if it's got that little thing in it. That's not the way they used to do it. Church, I'm telling you the same thing. The way we're going to recognize what's fake is by getting into what's real and handling it, and submersing ourselves in it, so that when something fake comes along, we'll immediately recognize it. We'll immediately recognize it. But my challenge to you is this. Just as Jesus said, hold fast until He comes. Hold fast. Now, this is the invitation. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't know the real thing, don't leave this place today without getting to know Him. 
come forward, I would be more than happy to introduce you. If you are not a member and you want to become part of this fellowship, come forward. We would gladly accept you. If you need to get something right with someone else, this is the time to do it. If you just need to fall on your face before God, this is the time to do it. Whatever it is that God is telling you to do, do it right now as we sing this song. And as we sing our hymn of invitation, 305, I have decided to follow Jesus. 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 No turning back, no turning back. you all for being here today don't forget 6 30 tonight the super bowl party down in the youth building and then um, don't forget baptist men meet up here with whitey immediately following the service and pray for ginger myself sandra and whitey and chad and laura we are all going on a ministers and spouse retreat this next weekend so, Kel will be bringing the message Sunday morning. Um, Doug will be leading the service, or leading our worship. And uh, just pray for us. Last year, um, we went. Sandra and Whitey didn't get to go, but it was a great time. Um, just a fellowship of, of study, of reflection. So pray for us. Also pray the fact that Leanne's still not had her baby yet. So uh, we're hoping that with the, the change in barometric pressure with the rain and everything that God, God is saying, okay, it's time. Okay? So um, just uh, keep praying for us. But don't forget Wednesday night prayer meeting here. We're going to finish chapter 4. Um, here in, in the sanctuary Wednesday night, youth and children down in the youth building. So, uh, Robbie, would you come and dismiss us in prayer, please, sir? Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this message you brought with Artie today, Lord. We ask you to be with us, be with Whitey and Sandra. Artie and Ginger and Chad and Laura, as they go off on that retreat this weekend. Lord, just lead, lead and guide us in your way. In your name we pray. Amen.